Colossians chapter 3. I hope you uh, took the time to read this during the week. There's no way that you can cover any single verse in the Bible in 30 minutes. It's impossible. So whatever you hear from me in the next 30, 40 minutes is only going to cover a little bit of what's in the text. So when you read ahead of time, you prepare yourself to get more out of it. And helps me do my job because it's not the first time you've looked at it. So each week we send out the text ahead of time. Take a few minutes, read it, meditate on it, and then you'll anticipate the sermon. And you'll get more out of the sermon and you'll grow more. So there's a simple way for you to grow spiritually. It's as the Bible teaches, the Word is the power. Spirit works through the Word. So if you read the Word and believe it, you'll grow. So that's what we're trying to do. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. So far in Colossians, chapter 1, chapter 2, has been about who Jesus is, what he did, and people who are trying to undermine that. There are people in the church in, Col in uh, Colossae, and there's people in the church in America who are trying to undermine the gospel. There are false teachers that are coming into churches trying to undermine the gospel. And the answer today is the same as it was back then. We re-examine who Jesus is and compare that to what the false teachers are, are saying. And so the answer is always go back to Jesus because that's what false teachers are trying to undermine. They're going to target Jesus because there's the source. So Paul is warning the Colossians and warning us. And in chapter 3, he comes to... So everything in chapter 2 sort of is a negative thing, like watch out, don't be this way, don't listen to these people. Then in Colossians 3, he goes positive. And he says, here's what you should do. It says, if then you were raised with Christ... Notice the question implied. Were you raised with Christ? If you were, then what he's going to say is true. But right off the bat, you have to ask yourself, were you raised with Christ? If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You ever heard the phrase, down to earth? It's a good thing, isn't it? He's really down to earth. We like him. He's, he's sort of grounded. It implies that you sort of are aware of things, that you're not absent-minded, that you know how the world works, you know how to connect with people, pay attention. And we all want to be down to earth. Then there's an opposite phrase, maybe you've heard. He's too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good. And that's that guy who's just so, his head's in the clouds, and he's maybe right. What? They don't know what's going on around them. What this passage says is exactly the opposite. If you're grounded, you don't know what's going on. But if you're heavenly-minded, you do know what's going on. So it accomplishes what we wanted out of the first phrase, down to earth, but it does it the opposite way. And it's interesting, in the hymn we just sang, it says exactly that. 
So when we sing these hymns, they're teaching the same thing we're, we're preaching with song. It says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there. There's an internal problem down to earth. The answer is upward. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. That's taken from the passage we're about to read or we're looking at. The Bible's answer to every single problem that you have is look at Jesus. That's the answer. That's the simple, straightforward answer. Look at Jesus. And this passage expands it. So we're going to focus on Christ. That's what the Bible is calling us to do, but it breaks it down even more. You focus on Christ in the past, what he did. You focus on Christ in the present, what he's doing. And you focus on Christ in the future, what he will do. And that's what's in this passage. So let's first look at what you're to look at. To seek, seek those things, things set your mind, mind on things. things. What, what things? things? What things are you supposed to set your mind on? Because false teachers are telling you, set your mind on these things. The Bible says, no, set your mind on these things. What are they? Christ, first of all, in the past. What did Jesus do in the past that you're supposed to look at? It says it right there at the beginning. If then you were raised with Christ. Verse 3. For you died. Jesus did something a long time ago that still bears impact on what we're doing. And so the Bible is saying, look at what Jesus did. First of all, Jesus died. Now, we all know that, don't we? Paul knew it, and the Colossians knew it. But he's saying, you need to look at it. You need to set your mind on it. You need to seek it. Not because you don't know where it is, but because you stopped seeking it. You stop setting your mind on it. So what are you setting your mind on? Christ died for us. We who were sinners, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. We were lost. We were following falsehood. We were bound to this earth, dead in sins. So Christ died for us. Look at it. Think about it. Seek it out. Set your mind on it. Because if Christ died for us, then we died. What's true of Christ is true of us. Put your mind on that. Remind yourself of that. This Christian life is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Look at Jesus. Look at what he did for us. He substituted himself for us. He substituted his body for our body and died so that now Paul can say, for you die. Now, we haven't been crucified on a cross. How can he say we die? Christ died for us. And if Christ died for us, then we die. He substituted his identity for ours, and so we get his identity. We died now. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees the crucified Jesus. But not just that. If then you were raised with Christ, Jesus didn't stay dead. 
A lot of people have been crucified. A lot of people have been killed. And a lot of people have died for other people. Millions have died for others. But only one was raised. You see the difference between Jesus and every single person on earth? He died like everybody, but he was raised. Raised for our justification. Which means we're raised. He was raised for us. So if you're raised, look at Christ. If you're raised with him, seek him. You have to go back in history and say, what did Jesus do? He died and was raised. And what does that resurrection mean? It means hell couldn't keep him. It's as if hell swallowed a grenade. And it won, right? It swallowed the grenade. The dragon ate the grenade. But then what happens? You can't eat a grenade and keep it. And so hell swallowed Jesus. And the pen was pulled, and he exploded and destroyed it from the inside out. That's what Christ did. He died and descended into the earth and rose forth victorious. Defeating death and hell. Defeating the sin's control. You don't have to sin anymore. You only sin because you want to. But you don't have to. Christ has defeated sin's control. You are no longer slaves to sin. Which means every single sin you, can, you are suffering from, you're held to, you have the power to beat it. Why? Because Christ was raised. And so you're raised. Raised above death. Sin's corruption. Sometimes we think of Christ's resurrection only spiritually, but it was a physical resurrection. Which means everything that's pulling your body into the grave, Christ beat. It pulled his body into a grave. And then he came back. So all the sickness, all the illness, all the fatigue, all the injuries are pulling you into the grave. But here, if you look at what Jesus did, you know it'll happen to you too. The grave cannot keep you. Corruption cannot keep your body. Do you think about that? Do you set your mind on it? Because for sure, you set your mind on illness. You ever notice that when you're sick, you can't think of anything else besides being sick? And you can't imagine what it was like to be well? When you just simply, you get stopped up. And you're laying in bed, trying to sleep, but you can't breathe. And you think back to those old days when you could breathe. And you can't imagine, like, why didn't I appreciate it when I didn't have this problem? And your mind is consumed by the illness. That's what the earth does to you. It dragged your attention to the problems. What this is saying is look at what Jesus did. Set your mind. Seek those things, not on earth, but in heaven, on Christ, his resurrection, over the corruption in your body. Because if it happened for him, it'll happen for you. But you know what ties this all together? You know what the presupposition here is? That you believe it's true. You see, what this is saying is here's how you get out of the, the problems in this world. But before you get out of the problem, before you get the spiritual power, you have to believe the truth. It's not proximity to Christ. It's not the fellowship of the church. It's not the bare facts that some things are true. It's that you are identified with Christ. You believe this so deeply that it's real for you. The Bible talks about faith, trust. Unless you're united with Christ, 
none of this applies to you. Unless you have faith in Christ alone, this is not for you. You've got nothing to set your mind on except for the dirt of this world. So the call here is that you believe Jesus. You need to have Christ to save you, but you only have him if you have faith, that you set your mind on him. And just because you come to church and like the church, and even if you're a member here, does not equal union with Christ. Union with Christ comes from you rejecting the world, rejecting yourself, and trusting Christ. Have you done that? If you've done that, you're raised with him. If you haven't done that, you're dead in sins. If you believe on Christ alone, you have everything Christ has. And if you don't, you have nothing. You have nothing but the promise of death and destruction. The union, the power of this gospel, the power that to change our minds, to change our bodies, to change our future, to change everything, comes from union. Otherwise, this is just a mind game that Paul's playing. You ever heard of the power of positive thinking? If there's no real spiritual union with Christ, this is just saying, think positive thoughts. Stop worrying so much. Don't worry, be happy. It's just a mind trick that you play to say, if you think positive thoughts, you'll feel better. If you don't trust Christ, that's all this is, is a motivational speech. But if you trust Christ, there's a real supernatural power within inside of you that's changing you. That's what you need. And that only happens by complete and total trust in Christ alone. Because only Christ died for us. And only Christ was raised for us. That's what Christ did in the past. Set your mind on those things. But look at Christ in the present. He didn't just die and raise for us and then waited for us. He's still working for us. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now that phrase, right hand of God, that's symbolic, it's metaphor. It means some things. It means that Jesus is on the throne. It means Jesus has authority, power. He may have been a carpenter on earth, but he's a king in the universe. So he was raised to sit where he always should have sat, the right hand of God in authority. So when you think about Christ now, set your mind on things above, you see Christ sitting in power. Do you treat Jesus like he's in charge? Do you treat Jesus like he's the authority over the universe? Do you worship him like he is the supreme Lord? Or is he just something you've added to your life? Is he something that, yeah, he's king, great, got that, what's next? No. When you're the king of the universe, everybody looks at you all the time, unless they reject your kingship. So Christ set at the right hand of God means he's in charge, which then means when we want to know what to do, who do we look to? The person in charge. We look to Jesus. That's what Paul's doing. He's revealing to us what Jesus wants. He's saying, stop looking at the earth, stop looking at yourself, and look to Jesus for what to do. It's really popular for someone to die 
go to heaven and come back. Have you heard of those stories? The near-death experiences. Little Johnny had a surgery, dies, sees a bright light, talks to Jesus, comes back and tells us about it. And it changed his life, and I'll buy his book. What's the, what's the appeal here? If you could just get a glimpse of heaven, your life will be different. And then since you can't get it, we'll listen to this guy who got a glimpse of it. But what Paul is saying is he is giving you a glimpse of heaven. It's only because we don't have faith that we need an eyewitness account. See, we don't believe, so we want this child to tell us. We say the scripture isn't enough. We need to have someone who could go there and come back. But isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what Paul has here? Direct revelation of what heaven is like. And when he talks about heaven, what does he talk about? Christ on the throne. Setting your mind on Christ means saying, what should I do? Let's ask Jesus. Seeking those things above means, what would Christ have me do? That's why we preach the Bible. So that you know what Jesus wants. Not what I want. Not what the elders want. What does Jesus want? And if you're seeking Christ, you'll be hungry for the Bible. And you'll put up with some less than stellar presentation as long as you get the Bible. Tell me what Jesus said. And if you're not hungry for the word, you've set your mind on something else. A test for yourself is, do you want to hear what the Bible says? Not entertain, not exciting. Those are nice, but those are earthly. What does Jesus say? He's on the throne. But he's not just the authority. He's also close to God. See, when you say right hand of God, when you're at a, in a Jewish setting or in an ancient setting, when you're invited up to the right hand of the throne, you are now equal. You are now on the inside. When you lean over and talk, they listen. There's an intimacy there. There's an access. There may be everybody on the, on, the, on the crowd, but the person on the throne, they have access. So when you set your mind on Christ, who is at the right hand of God, you now have access to God. That's what Christ offers us, access to God. He's on our side. He's looking out for us. He's our advocate. Why do you need to set your mind on Christ? Because he's the only person who's really for you. So think about the person, the man Christ Jesus, who's actually for you and has access to God. He petitions for us. You know, when you pray, it doesn't really matter that much because you're sinful. But when Jesus prays, that means something. So what do we do? We pray and Jesus sanctifies those prayers for us. He's our go-between. He's our mediator. See, the Catholic Church wants to make Mary the mediator because they feel like Mary is more accessible. But Mary's not on the right hand of the throne. She may be a wonderful, and she is a great woman, perhaps the greatest woman in history, but she's not at the right hand. What, G what Paul is saying is look to the person who's got access. Set your mind on the one who advocates for you the high priest who prays for us. So he petitions for us, but look what he also does. He protects us. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Jesus has, un has united with you if you trust him. 
which means whatever happens to Jesus happens to you. Whatever happens to you happens to Jesus. He's not going to let bad things happen to you. Now you think, well, bad things happen. I mean, really bad things like going to hell, like being cut off from God, like being left alone. The really bad things, the things that happened to Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is so that God will not forsake us. What happened to Jesus happened to us. And so now Jesus is at the right hand of the throne, which means we are at the right hand of the throne. Hidden in Christ, protected. When Christ, who is our life, appears. You know, everything in this world can be taken away from you. Every single thing in this world can be taken away from you. So don't set your mind on those things. Set your mind on the one thing that cannot be taken away from you. Your true life, which is Christ. And everything else will grow strangely dim, as the song says. Because you see that it's all temporary. It's all fading away. It's all passing. Christ is not. He is our life. This is where anxiety comes from. This is where fear comes from. This is where anger comes from. Ask yourself, what things in your life, if you lost them, you would say you've lost life. You've lost the meaning of life. You can't go on. That's your God. That's what you worship. So a Christian says, I'm so angry because something's being taken from me and I can't live without it. I'm so scared because something's going to be taken from me and I can't live without it. I'm so depressed because it's been taken away and I can't, I can't go on without it. False worship. You've set your things on things below. You've set your things on your family, your, eye, your mind, your family, on your work, on your wealth, on your body. You've set your mind on those things and now they're being taken from you. And you can't live without them. But Paul says, set your mind on Christ who is our life. You can't live without Christ. And the Bible says you don't have to. He is our life. Which means if you've got Christ, you can put up with everything else. And you can live without everything else. You ever notice in all these the great stories, the hero lives in a small town, as it were, and then he goes away on the adventure? Now, this applies across all stories. So just take your favorite. Maybe it's the soldier who comes from the middle of Iowa and goes across to fight the Nazis. Or maybe it's the, the hobbit who lives in the little shire and goes to Mount Doom. Whatever your favorite stories are, there's this little person who goes off into a big world and defeats evil and then comes back. And when he comes back, he's different. And then the person in the town runs up with their problem and they're so upset. And the person, they're not upset. They're not afraid. They're not worked up. Why? Because they've seen things. So when something bad happens, they said, I've seen real evil. I've seen terrible, evil things, and I've seen them defeated. So I know that your little problem will be okay. They laugh more because they realize things aren't that serious. They've seen serious things, and these aren't them. Paul is saying this is what the Christian life is. Through the words of Scripture, you've seen real evil, and you've seen it defeated. 
you've, you've seen, seen real problems, problems and you've seen them fixed. fixed. So then, then you, you look, look back, back to earth and you say, oh, this little thing, compared, compared to, to Satan, Satan this, this person's nothing. nothing. Compared to my sin, the sin of the world, this problem at work is nothing. Once you've seen the real world from heaven's perspective, you can deal with it. But if you're always working from heaven up, it's too much. So Paul says, set your, things on my, uh, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. Choose your focus. Choose your God. Choose your focus and you choose your God. You are what you love. You are what you worship. You set your mind on things in this world, good or bad, you now are a slave to them. You set your mind on things above, and you're a slave to Christ. Your perspective changes. Practically, what's that mean? When you have an eternal perspective from God's point of view, from heaven's point of view, you're deliberate about earth. You see, thinking about heaven and thinking about Jesus doesn't make you not care anymore. It makes you realize that things are important and that they matter. And because Christ is your life and he's in heaven watching, you care more about what you're doing in the moment. This is real what's happening right now. God cares about what's happening right now. Because we focus on Christ, we care. You ever catch yourself imagining too much? Always working out scenarios and thinking, well, if this happens and this happens, that's not real. That's, this is real. That's not real. That's imagination. And what the Bible is saying is let your imagination be caught by what God has done, about what God sees. Matthew chapter 6, we're familiar with the first, says, but seek first the kingdom of God. That's what the same word, seek, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, so if you do what Paul's saying, if you seek heaven, if you focus on Christ, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see what the Bible is saying is that if you focus more on heaven, you will focus more on the moment. You focus less on heaven, you're always worried about tomorrow. You're always imagining what could happen. Anxiety, the practical answer for anxiety is Christ. Now, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a psychologist, but I can read the Bible. And the Bible is saying, if you seek heaven, you will have less anxiety. How? How does anything work with God? Supernatural miracles in your life. You focus on Jesus and you change. You become deliberate. You become focused on the now. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you'll be. The more eternally focused on Christ in heaven, the more you're going to care about those things that are eternal. There's only two things that are eternal, God and people. Everything else passes away except for God and the human soul. You know how we think things are valuable? One human soul will outlast everything on this earth. So what are you going to focus on now? You see, if you look at Christ enough, you're going to focus on things that Christ cares about. You're going to care about people. Are you selfish and self-centered? Do you struggle to sympathize with other people, to empathize, to seek and reach out? It's because you've set your mind on things below.
You don't care about what God cares about. So set your mind on Christ, and you'll care more about people. Set your mind on people, and you'll care less about people. You'll care more about certain people, but you'll be beholden to them. You'll be trapped in trying to please them. Or you won't care what anyone thinks, and you're a slave to yourself. Set your mind on Christ. A humanist group said, the greatest evil that's happened in the world is that people are thinking about the afterlife. And they need to think about this life. That This is a humanist group, so they don't believe in Jesus. They said, stop thinking about heaven and just focus on this life and make it your best life. Like, well, wait a minute. There's some, there's some internal logic. There's some earthly wisdom. The sort of, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But the Russian author Dostoevsky, who as a Russian understood the hardships of life, he asked in one of his books, without God and immortal life, all things are lawful then. They can do what they like. If there's no afterlife, then this world doesn't matter. If there's nothing more than this world, then one day there'll be nothing. And everything you're doing right now won't matter. So what Paul is saying is if there is an afterlife, if there's something bigger than this world, then this world matters. Do you want to care for people? Do you want to care about the environment? Focus on Jesus. Focus on the eternal, and the now will matter. But that's not the end of it. Jesus, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Paul says, look at what Christ did, look at what Christ is doing, and look at what Christ will do. Look at the future, Christ of the future. He says, for you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you can't, you can't see it, can you? You don't see God. You don't see Christ. It's all faith. No one else can see it. Everyone looks the same, don't they? Every Christian and non-Christian, they just look the same walking down the street. So in this sense, we're hidden. Our true hope is hidden. We can't see it. But when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's hidden now, but it won't always be. There's a return promised. Life goes on. Now, if you're young and if you're old, this applies to you. If you're old, you realize, and whatever you think old is, this is how you know, every year after this, you're going to be worse than the year before. You realize you're not getting healthier. You're not getting stronger. You're not getting better. That's how you know you're old. You realize every year is going to be worse physically than the year before. And as you get older and older, you realize that more and more, and you start thinking, what's the point? I can't do what I used to do, and I never will be able to. My life is draining away. No one wants me, and I can't do anything. That is because you set your mind on your body. You set your mind on this earth. What Christ is saying is, I'm coming back to get you. Christ who is our life, not your body who is your life, not your health, not how many years you have on this earth. Christ's return means if you are getting closer to the grave, you're getting closer to the next stage, the next chapter. And as C.S. Lewis says, it's the, it, this is the introduction. 
When you die, it's the first chapter. And every chapter after that gets better. That's the hope if you're aging, is that it's just the beginning. But only if you focus on what's going to happen with Christ. And if you're young, your life is not going to have that big of an impact. Sorry. One day you're going to realize that you are going to die. Setting your mind on Christ means a young person doesn't put their hope in their abilities. Despite what it looks like. You see, when you're old, you know. And when you're young, you don't. Setting your eyes on Christ fixes that. We'll be revealed. Our hope will be revealed. Think of it like this. Remember the Old Testament saints? They were told Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. And we look and we say, you should believe that. He's going to appear on earth. Abraham, Isaac, Isaiah. Believe it. It's the same exact thing now. They couldn't see the Messiah. And we can't see Jesus. So what do we do? We have faith. We look forward to when Jesus is coming back. Just like they look forward when Jesus came the first time. Our hidden identity. We are somebody, but no one can see it. So we have to believe it. John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know, we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. If you are not eagerly waiting the return of Christ, you have no hope. You have nothing. But those of us who have it, who know that we can't see it, but one day we will, purifies us. It changes us. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to recreate everything in glory. He says you will appear with him in glory. Every single problem that you've got now will be fixed when Jesus comes back. And knowing that gets you through it. That's how we're different. We don't look different. Sometimes we don't act different. But we are different. Because we have something to look forward to. April 3rd, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech. He said, well, I don't know what will happen now. Now, if you don't know about King, he had multiple attempts on his life. He'd been stabbed. His house had been blown up. One of the things I, in a biography I read of him was how he, often he feared for his life. He was certain he would be killed at any moment. He says, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. 
Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The next day, he was shot in the head. Do you have that? Do you have the faith that can look over and say, I don't care what happens to me. I've seen the promised land. I've been to the mountaintop. This text is the mountaintop. It's showing you what the other side looks like. So now you can make it through. If you set your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray.